Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network. But we have now biosimilar available too for that. And that's the preference. So I said, you know, let's give it a try. I felt uh, better knowing that I've been having this conversation for a long time. Welcome to Breaking Down Biosimilars, a podcast that sheds light on biosimilars and helps you better understand the role they play in your healthcare now and in the future. I'm Zoe Rothblatt, Associate Director of Community Outreach with the Global Healthy Living Foundation. And I'm Connor Mertens, Patient Advocate and Community Outreach Manager at GHLF. Our goal is to introduce you to biosimilars, what they are, how they get approved, their potential savings, and what promises they hold. We also hear from a few people who've been taking biosimilars about their own experiences, and we cover some of the common myths about biosimilars and try to separate fact from fiction. So Connor, in season one, we covered a lot of the basics about biosimilars, but we know that many in our community still have lingering questions and just really want to know more about them and what happens when you switch. I mean, especially because there are new biosimilars coming in the next year. As of now, there are seven FDA-approved biosimilars for the drug Humira. They're expected to come on the market in 2023, but there could be as many as 11 available pending approvals. That is a lot of biosimilars. And we know that Humira has been around for a long time. It's used to treat a lot of different conditions like rheumatology, dermatology, and gastroenterology. That's a lot of patients to cover. So that means many in our community may be switched to biosimilar from their originator biologic or reference biologic. And people may actually just start on a biosimilar for the first time altogether. Which means maybe even some of you tuning in will be changed over. And that might bring about some confusion because as we talked about in season one, there's a lot of questions and misinformation around biosimilars. And hopefully we can continue to fill in some of those gaps that if and when the time comes, our community feels comfortable with trying these biosimilars. Exactly. And to do that, we did call in help from some patient advocates, Christina Montoya and Lena Anderson, so you know we can hear directly from patients about their own experiences on biologics, biosimilars, and most importantly, how they navigate treatment decisions. And what was so unique about this conversation is that Christina and Lena are both from Canada, where there are some more biosimilars available than in the U.S. markets. Also keep in mind that the Canadian healthcare system is a little bit different than the U.S., as there's a publicly funded healthcare system. Yeah, really good points to bring up, Connor. And we sure did learn a lot from both of the advocates, Christina, who takes a biosimilar, and Lena, who takes a biologic, about the different types of questions and concerns that go into treatments, how they navigate that fear of starting a new treatment, and how support programs can help. So let's turn it over to them to hear what they have to say. I'm Lena Anderson. I live with rheumatoid arthritis, technically juvenile idiopathic arthritis, as um, I first had symptoms when I was four years old. I am a rheumatoid arthritis advocate and a disability advocate, and you can find me on theseatedview.com and The Seated View on most um, social media channels. I focus primarily on writing uh, about 
different conditions, especially rheumatoid arthritis and chronic pain and disability. Um, and I'm also a photographer. I am Christina Montoya. I live with rheumatoid arthritis and Sjogren's. I am also a registered dietitian who works with patients with rheumatic diseases and happen to be a Sjogren's and rheumatoid arthritis patient advocate as well. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Hi, everyone. It's good to see you. So, you know, we're here today to talk about biosimilars. When was the first time that you both heard about biosimilars? Well, I first heard about biosimilars about seven years ago, I think, when when a couple of the first ones were made available. And I was initially interested, but also concerned. I don't like being forced to change anything, and I have had some some bad experiences with other types of generic drugs, which biosimilar is not exactly generic. So I was interested and my reaction was to find out the answers to certainly my questions, but also the answers I could imagine other people had, which made me feel a little bit better. Yeah, I heard about biosimilars, that was in 2016. I clearly remember when. And that was at a Canadian Rheumatology Association, um, the annual scientific meeting. And they ran a whole workshop on biosimilars. At that time, I confess, I was very nervous. I still saw that as a, as a generic type of medicine compared to the biologic. So I never really pay attention to it, to be honest. At that time, I was getting my biologics and I said, I'm getting the, the medication that I need. I don't, I really don't care. <laughs> but now I do and I'm on a biosimilar. So that was very interesting process. So talk to us about that. You know, today you're on a biosimilar. What has changed in your mindset from, you know, not really caring or thinking, you know, a little bit less about it? How do you think about it today? Well, I have to say that I had this conversation with my rheumatologist for probably over a year. It didn't happen overnight. I have, we kind of massaged the, uh, the possibility of going into biosimilars because all the other uh, biologists failed me. I didn't fail, they failed me. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I tried several biologics and it just got to a point that, you know, I, they, I think the option was that this, the medication they suggested, they wouldn't be covered uh, unless I use the biosimilar first. So I think there's a little bit of a threat there. What do you think, Lena? <laughs> so I understand that you want to make, like, get the most bang for your buck. So I understand that side of it. But at the same side, when you're on the other side, rather, when you're put in a situation where you can't get the medication you think would work the best, then there's a problem, right? And I faced that years ago when I had to start biologics. I had to try a number of other medications before. And in the meantime, I got very, very bad. My RA just completely took over. Um, I do think with biosimilars, there's a likelihood that the process is different. Christina, does it mean you have to try the biosimilar first? And if that doesn't work as well, you can go to the biologic version. And before Christina answers, let's quickly clarify that biosimilars are biologics. And what Lena means here when she says biologic version is the original biologic that is the reference for the biosimilar. Good point. These terms do get confusing. So thanks for pointing that out. Anyways, let's hear what Christina has to say. 
That's what I understood. But at the same time, uh, so they, how the process went was they suggested an older, one of the first biologics, right? That all the others have failed. I mean, they said, let's go back to a TNF blocker. Um, but they said, but we have now a biosimilar available to, for that. And that's the preference. So if I were to apply for like the biologic version of it, um, the drug town wouldn't approve it. And uh, so I said, you know, let's give it a try. I felt uh, better knowing that I'd been having this conversation for a long time. It wasn't just a, a decision that just happened. But the logistics to get those biosimilars, Lena, <laughs> it was unbelievable. So yeah. I finally accepted and I said, you know, I let's, okay, let's get on it. Let's give it a try. The others, right? And so I went and the doctor, the physician sent the prescription directly to my regular pharmacy, which I was shocked because if I've been dealing with specialty pharmacies for like over 15 years. So the logistics took a lot of uh, time and energy and it actually delayed the starting of my treatment. It took me about four, uh, four weeks to sort, to sort everything out. And I had to actually ask my physician that said, I am sorry, but I want to deal with my specialty pharmacy. I trust the pharmacy. I know they know how to take care of the biologics. They're refrigerated. So I want to make sure that my medication is safe. And uh, I don't want any second guessings here. I want to get the medication that I need. And they uh, and the doctor said, yes, let's go for it. She was even so worried that I wasn't getting the medication. She called me once at 9.30 at night. <laughs> there was a scandal. That's a good one. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because I, I know that in the U.S., a lot of my advocate friends in the U.S. use specialty pharmacies. I've never have. I just use my regular pharmacy in the neighborhood, and, and they do fine. So I did not know that here in Canada, we also had specialty pharmacies. So interesting. I'm learning new things. <laughs> Well, me too, because I just felt so hesitant. I said, I don't want my regular pharmacy to deal with this medication. <laughs> and and I think that only shows that uh, the patients really are not well informed. Like, uh, I'm not expecting a rheumatologist to know everything. But at least if, the, I don't know, the administrative assistant or if there is a program, they can direct us, right? And they can, we can kind of sort this out with the program, which that's what I did ultimately, connected with the program, the support program, yeah. And uh, and that really helped. But in the meantime, I was in a lot of pain, like because I had no treatment for over like two, three months. No, and I know that's, that's rough. But I also think, that, to your point, I think, I think maybe the support programs um, that are associated with all the biologics and biosimilars, I don't think there's enough information about them. Like, I know they, I got the initial package, you know, the welcome swag bag um, 17 years ago when I first started. And then... They call me once a year and say, are you good? And I go, yeah, I'm good. And, and that's it. And I think, and I think the first thing that there needs to be a better team approach between rheumatologists and those support programs, because I think I could have used them more in the past if I hadn't 
like had known more about them if there had been more contact. Like I don't particularly feel at the moment that I need to have a lot of contact with them because I'm managing myself and I don't have problems. But when you're starting a new medication, I think that the first thing that should happen is let's contact the support program and these are the people who can help you if you have any problems, right? Instead of there you are in the middle of a bad flare, having a hard time, and then you have to do all this administrative yourself. That's, that's just nuts. Okay, Connor, this may be a good time for us to hit pause and reflect a bit. Sure, and talk about some of those resources that they've been bringing up. But first, I like how Christina mentioned how she had a long conversation with her doctor about biosimilars. As with anything, we always, always, always suggest talking to your doctor. Yeah, me too. I think it's a common story with biosimilars is getting this abrupt switch, which can be really scary if you don't know anything about them. Right. So to hear that Christina had brought it up to her doctor in advance so that by the time she had switched, she was comfortable with it is really helpful. And, you know, Connor, if I could be totally honest with you, after we did the first episodes of this podcast, I asked my doctor for her thoughts on biosimilars because I realized we had never really discussed them before. And, you know, without going into too much detail, I'll just say that it felt really good to be having that conversation casually without any big treatment decision about switching medications looming over me. So tip number one, as always, talk to your doctor about biosimilars at the next appointment. And maybe tip two is to use support programs like Lena and Christina mentioned. Yes, so patient support programs are offered by the manufacturer of the medication that you take. And these programs vary brand by brand, but essentially they have similar offerings like financial assistance in the form of copay programs, a phone hotline support, educational information, and injection training videos. And with the power of the internet, you can find them by Googling the drug name plus support program, or go to the website for your medication and there'll most likely be a section for support. There you can call or sign up online. And like Lena mentioned, typically you get a phone call and someone will be there to listen if you have any questions and help you enroll in financial assistance if you need it. Ooh, another important resource that they brought up was specialty pharmacy. That'll that'll be tip number three, Zoe. Ah, yes. Okay, so specialty pharmacies handle, well, you know, specialty meds. Typically, biologics and biosimilars have certain storage requirements, like they need to be refrigerated because they're made from living things. So a specialty pharmacy is equipped to handle that. They're also able to help with coordinating with your insurance company and prior authorization, things like that, that you need to do in order to get your medication. Sounds like when your medication gets more specialized, so does your care. And and that's how it should be. That's right. And while you can't just walk around the corner to the local pharmacy, specialty pharmacies are full service and can really help you navigate getting your medication. And there's the benefit of also having nurses or pharmacists around to help answer your questions. Okay. And the best part, easy refills. They have reminder systems where they'll call or text you a few days before your prescription is due for refill. Or you can also just simply refill it on their pharmacy website too. Yeah, that's a really good point. And with that cleared up, maybe it's time to get back to Christina. While there were some hurdles in the beginning, Christina mentioned that now ordering her biosimilar has been easy. 
Yes, it has. It uh, is not on schedule. I get the um, uh, the delivery a week um, before my next um, injection. I wish they could deliver it every three months. Um, just to save some the planet and not <laughs> so much recycling. Um, but they have been very, very good now on time they call me up are you going to be home and so i haven't missed an injections for the past two months that's good to hear after the initial hurdles it was a little bit easier <laughs> yeah i think it was um maybe lesson learned um i like i didn't mention but the rheumatologist who actually got to prescribe the biosimilar it wasn't my regular rheumatologist because she wasn't mat leave so i think perhaps that's where maybe the communication broke down a little bit uh, but it, she still was on top of it i gotta say she was really concerned about my well-being and i appreciate that going back to what you had mentioned before christina that it was a long conversation with your doctor what are some of the things that you brought up and then I'm curious Lena to hear after if you share some of those same questions or have others yourself I was very scared um, of running out of options because within two years I already use three different biologics um, so I I was just very scared to be honest I was kind of navigating that fear with my rheumatologist and trying to give another chance to another medication. <laughs> uh, so the questions I ask, I always ask is about any any side effects, right? Uh, how is this going to be better than the others that already failed me? Is it even worth it? Um, and how are you going to monitor like the success of this treatment? That's what I, I think I asked at the moment, and, and it took took time for me to really, to, for it to sink in. But I think that's the case with any new medication, don't you? That any time you change anything, there's so much to understand. And obviously, the more you change, the more you get clarity on your question list. Um so, so there's that, but I, I think it, it is, it underscores the importance of having the time with your doctor to get those questions answered. All right, let's pause again. I thought this was really helpful. Uh, the way Lena said this is true for any new medication. Right. I was thinking that too. It's the same questions about what side effects you can expect, why your doctor thinks this is a good option for you, how you take the medication, you know, is it an injection, an infusion? how to order the medication, how often to check in with your doctor. I could keep the list going, but those are just a few. And specifically for starting a biosimilar, it would be good to ask about costs since biosimilars should be less expensive than biologics and insurance coverage too. But again, these are questions you typically ask when starting a biologic. So it's comforting to hear Lena and Christina relate to each other on this. Let's get back to Lena. I think a big one is how soon can I expect it to work? That time period can be incredibly nerve-wracking when you are still so very sick and in so much pain and nothing is happening and it feels like nothing is happening. Um, so I think having some sort of way to manage your expectations and saying, like for instance, I know some, some drugs are saying, well, about four to six weeks in, you might start feeling a little more energized. And that can be one of the first signs that it's working. 
and that it'll probably happen gradually, but it needs time to build up in your body. And knowing that helps you panic less, even though you're still panicked um, while you're waiting. So I think that's a big one. I think um, the issue of like what are the possible side effects and and. I'm a big believer in not dwelling too much on the side effects because everyone's different. I know people who have no side effects to biologics at all. I know other people who are flattened by them. I know most of us are sort of in between on, on something manageable, but knowing a little bit about what's, what to expect. And I think also with the really big and serious drugs like biologics and biosimilars, um, what are the signs that I should contact you? Like contact a doctor. So because because there are the potentially severe side effects you want to know what are some of the signs that you should just kind of figure it out and wait and see or what are some of the signs you should call your doctor right away yeah that's a really good point especially if you're taking two different medications i i asked okay so if how do i know i'm reacting to methotrexate or the biosimilar what are those signs right and uh, and i used to take both the biologic and the methotrexate on the same day because i just want to get the head. <laughs> I got the head i just give it to me <laughs> And uh, so I, I had that medication hungover and I, I rested. But this time, well, you know, it's better to maybe take you on separate days just to assess how you're feeling. And it hasn't been too bad. It actually has been, uh, I am surprisingly, I, I am actually very surprised on how well it's working. Fingers <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then we know, Lena, that we have all our fingers crossed already, right? Yeah, so. Well, exactly. This discussion was so rich and deep that we thought it would be helpful to divide it into two parts to give you enough time and space to consume the really important information that Christina and Lena were sharing. Tune into our next special episode of Breaking Down Biosimilars, where Christina and Lena dive even deeper into the world of biosimilars. Well, everyone, we hope you learned something new about biosimilars and the experience of starting on one. We'd love to hear your feedback, so send your email to breakingdownbiosimilars at ghlf.org. Or better yet, include a short video or audio clip. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Biosimilars, a podcast that brings to light biosimilars and helps you better understand the role they play in your healthcare now and in the future. And if you like this episode, give us a positive rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts. To help more people like you find us. I'm Connor Mertens. And I'm Zoe Rothblatt. See you next time. Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.